Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Mike. And this is Pizza Burger. Welcome back, everyone. It's episode three. And we are talking about camping today. Yeah, camping. Mike's favorite, would you say it's your favorite pastime? Oh, I don't know. I don't like picking things, uh, making things. I but, get, yeah, we established uh, that last episode. I forgot. Um, I do enjoy camping. I would say it's like top five of, you know, things I do outside. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you're semi-pro. Camper? Yeah, semi-pro, step below pro. Pro being like a survivor man, Les Stroud. Stroud yeah. He would be the pro. You're okay. semi-pro. So what are the people on alone? Ultra pro. Ultra pro. No, they're they're semi-pro as well. No, then, okay, we need to make Les Stroud the ultra pro. The alone people are pro and you're semi-pro. Because you've never had to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is a fair assessment. Well, they're like, half of those people have like YouTube channels. About survival. Yeah, where they're out there in the woods filming stuff. Yeah. It's like, I would say, yeah, that would be like pro or that would be like, yeah, I guess so. Because, like, so there's a, those, I have these books, Dave Canterbury. I have, like, three of his books. They're, like, survival camping books. And he's not associated with the Canterbury Tales? Not that I know of. Or the Canterbury Inn, my favorite village house at Christmas? I'll have to show you his Instagram. But he's, like, uh, he's an interesting guy. He, uh, but he's, like, a, I guess he's just, like, an author before he was on a YouTube, Instagram, social media thing. Probably uh, because he was around and doing this before those things existed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he would be like a uh, a pro, like a well, less Stroud. He's ultra pro then. Ultra pro. See, that's confusing. This ultra pro isn't a thing. <laughs> I made it up. It's my, it's the Tara's scale of camping ability. And that's, the top is ultra pro. Okay. And at the bottom is, you're not going to get this reference. Um, Meredith from The Parent Trap. Okay. Who would be the opposite of an ultra pro. Does not want to be outside. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, what am I then? Uh, you would be... You're not a first timer or anything like that. I'm not an amateur. You'd be, like, in a... You're not an amateur. I'm not an amateur. See, here's where we get into, like, what are the qualifications of each one of these things? Because that's what I think of, like, because I think, have you chopped wood? Have you, like, knocked down a tree? No. I've cut wood with a saw. You've cut wood with a saw. I'm not afraid to use an axe. No one's given me the opportunity. Okay. I would be willing to if you put me in the situation to do that and provided me the materials. But I'm not a semi-pro. I don't have an axe. See, these are the things. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, well, you, there I a guess lot comes into this thing I made up five minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. So, you're uh, the same principle you have with magnets. What is my principle with magnets? With, we're engaged, so your magnets are my magnets and my magnets are your oh, magnets. Oh, yes, I did. The same applies to the camping, <laughs> camping things, I think. So. I've inherited them, kind of. Yeah, I own one axe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my axe is your axe. You own an axe, so... You know. uh, maybe I'm approaching semi-pro. I think that what well, makes how, you... Well, I think you have to lay out all the different things. Because I don't know where to place place you or even me, really, based on like just what I know. So you have to have... What, what are your five or four levels? Well, it goes from Meredith on the parent trap. Because we've heard about six... <laughs> Amateur, <laughs> enthusiast, semi-pro. Oh, enthusiast. I didn't say that. You just came up with that. That's true. I'm well, an enthusiast, enthusiast is what I would be thinking. Someone who's gone with another more qualified person. Yeah, that would be me. Okay. So it goes amateur, enthusiast. So, no, but amateur implies that I think amateur is higher than enthusiast. Because um, an amateur attempts the things that the pros do but at a lower level that's like i think then maybe oh, well, i don't like the word amateur i like enthusiast but you're you are an enthusiast because i have because you haven't you haven't <laughs> upgraded to amateur yet you're currently an enthusiast you're interested but learn it before you take it seriously right because here's let's put it this way they don't call them enthusiast baseball players they call them amateur baseball players 
That's the guys true. that are pro. Right. I, uh, when do I get called up? When, you when I go you camping without that's, you. That's the thing. That's why That's why you see <laughs> stories on the news of people getting lost. Because yeah. <laughs> you get to choose when you move up take level. it up a notch. Like, for instance, AJ has spent like a week on a canoe trip with like 10 other people. That's more pro. Yeah. And that was like a college thing. That's something he did in college. Yeah. Like well, for a course. Would you admit that AJ's at a higher level than Oh, yeah. You? Oh, yeah. yeah. Then Definitely. it's fine that he's pro. Like he's chopped down a full tree out at the lake. Was he trying to save Zelda at the top of the no. tree? No. No, he was Okay, then. He probably was doing it because he wanted the wood then. Well, yeah. Well, because DJ and I weren't, uh, weren't getting wood. That's why. He was doing it. Right. It's probably a good time in the podcast to acknowledge Mike's two best friends are two letters that end in J, AJ and DJ. And then two of my three best friends are both named Stephanie. So we both have very confusing friends' names to keep up with if you've never met these people and probably never will meet these people. (laughs) When I was growing up, we did tent camping. It's kind of weird, and maybe your perspective would change based on your experience or what you qualify as camping, but some people have campers that they attach to the back of a truck and bring somewhere, and then you're essentially sleeping inside very comfortably. But you're usually, at that point, staying out for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a month, out in the wilderness. I would say, I would call, so... I I don't like those being called campers. Okay. I would call them recreational vehicles. Okay. Even so if they don't Jeremy pilot Clarkson. themselves. Yeah. So, so <laughs> they even hate if those. even if they aren't powered by their own like engine, I would still call them like an RV. It's a little I think of a camping because I would say what I do is I'm going camping like I'm going out in the woods sleeping overnight, one or two nights, bringing food, cooking it, being totally fine, drinking beer the whole time. Like that's camping, right? Yes. You can do that in various you call levels. That camping. Yeah. You can do that in various levels. Mm-hmm. Like you can go to a state campground that has lots, or you can do the go out into the woods at campsites and have a lot less of stuff. Right. Yeah. Namely, bathrooms, yeah. running water, um, potable water at, coming from a faucet or a hose, like whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like these are the things that. Most people, when they think of camping, at least in the U.S., I'd say, they are going to a campground that has bathrooms as gross and filled with spiders as they may be. There is a toilet with toilet paper and a sink Mm -hmm. with running water. There's a place to get drinking water, even if it's from a crusty, rusty, like, spigot coming out of the ground that you don't trust You can still drink that water and you're not going to die or get lost because it's a campsite and 10 feet away is another campsite with people and 10 feet in the other direction is another one and across the road is another one. So yeah, that was often something that I was asked in college from people who didn't realize or know what camping was. So they figured camping was like what they saw on TV where you could make as much noise as possible and it was like, so I, I had several people ask me, how do you... Where do I go where I can make a lot of noise past 10 o'clock? Because they would always yell at because they're, they're college students. So they didn't really know. And I was like, you're going to have to go out there a little bit. You understand, like, exactly what you know, you're getting entails. into. Like, you, you can get away with it, but it is a little more difficult. And I don't think any of them actually took, D- took me it. up. Yeah. There was one guy that was, like, pretty serious about going to our lake and going around the other side where there's, like, houses and stuff parking and then trekking through the woods to some of those campsites on the other side mm-hmm. that we went to the first time, like, directly across from the boat launch. When you say our lake, uh-huh. what you mean is Garnet Lake. You I don't want avoid- me to say the lake. <laughs> no. I'll bleep it. Okay. But I've talked about the lake so many times because it's where we got engaged. So oh, if that's somebody true. really wanted re- to yeah. <laughs> find it, they could. But... It's so far out of the way. Yeah, it's... Uh... And it's not convenient to do if you don't know it. Like, the, I would have never gone there, found it, ventured out across the lake, like, 20-minute 
in yeah. a kayak. So so when we were there recently, her and I went on her first like trip of the lake and saw ninety five percent of it. Right, I had never gone further than the most. The closest campsite via kayak. She's seen the other side of this lake now. She realizes yeah. what's back there. Yes. And how much of a, you know, it's, it's a really cool uh, little lake. But um, now that you've been out there on like a day trip, that's a- about the traffic that we see any other time we we're out there. Yeah. And there was maybe like four other kayaks. Two groups over five kayaks. Yeah, about. And that was it. There was a forest ranger truck there, which yeah. we've only ever seen and talked to one other time. Okay. So it's very, it's not like. And they're only there during the day. They aren't there to save your life. They're there to make sure you, when you leave, you didn't burn the forest down. Yeah. Or leave a bunch of trash. Yeah, exactly. So it is a fairly like important excursion if you go out there and you don't know what you're doing. And especially there, because 90, you know, most of the campsites are only accessed via a canoe or kayak or something. A water vessel. A water vessel, yeah. (laughs) You need a water vessel. So we, I would say, like, I went from, as a kid, sleeping in a tent, which I was totally cool with. I'm very good at putting up a tent. Mm-hmm. Would you say, like, yes. even you, the semi-pro, I don't, I don't enjoy putting up tents. to me to put up the tent. None of the my tent. tents are easy to put up. I feel like it's very easy. She's fine with putting them up. I want them to be, oops, uh, I want them to be, like, when you put up DJ's tent, it's so much nicer. Like, instead of the sleeves, you push the poles through, mm-hmm. it's all just clips. But I don't it's feel... Amazing. That it's annoying to put the poles through the sleeves. You just have to think ahead. And I think a lot of people, they don't do it that often. So they struggle and they make it seem so much harder than it has to be. I don't have the patience. Right. And Usually because I'm doing it and it's dark. Because I haven't done it. You know. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's why I enjoy camping with you. Because you just, when we get there, you put up the tent immediately. And I never have to deal with it now. Yeah, because <laughs> that like to easiest. me is the first step. Yeah. And it's fun for me. It's like a little puzzle and... I enjoy it. And I can make them fire. And then he does the fire. So it's like we each have our roles that we naturally fell into. It's not like we discussed on the way there, I'm going to put no, up the yeah. tent, you're going to start the fire. No, That's I just figured what we you do. would do the tent. Only because you had done it in the backyard. Right. And you got up that, well, I was impressed that when you put up the eight person tent or whatever it is in like 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, I, I thought this was going to be a thing. Like I was going to have to help and yeah. hold that tall piece and you were like no it's up if you know what you're doing and you know the order to do it and it's very easy and i think it's meant to be i think they make them so one person can handle it yeah yeah i think there's a little bit there but yeah i'm just uh modern tents yeah i've been holding out on buying a new a better tent for years and years and years Mm -hmm. so i've just learned like come to not like the ones i have mostly because they're i think they're too big they're they're packed too heavy like we've talked about where they they, they don't they have don't, the rain cover that goes to the ground that you yes, mentioned. Yes, they don't have, you know, two doors, vestibules would be the covers going to the ground, having like a pocket outside your tent yeah. to store things. And none of my tents have that. I've used, I've had a tent that has that, and it was just a, so much better of a design mm-hmm. that... And know, I've never had that. So I'm using tents. We have a pup tent, as my dad would call it. That literally peanut could fit comfortably in. I slept in it. You slept in it? I, I took it camping once. Oh, okay. So it's like, I guess you, how tall are you again? 5'10". It, it's You're 5'10". Small. It's small. It's like, yeah, I'm 5'10". So... I decided. That I was like, oh, cramped in it. But, so I would say it would fit like one, it's a one person tent. And the reason I For brought sure. it was because it was like a camp, when I was going with my friends, they... If it was going to be cold, I was going to use it. And it ended up being cold, and it ended up not being warm at all. Like, I had to use a tarp or a, a different rain fly on the top, so it didn't fully cover it. Or I can't remember what happened. It was you know, years ago. Every other time, it's been fine with the other tent. But we've had a way to transport it. Or we've transported like We took it across the lake on its own yes. or something. So it requires a second trip. It's just annoying. And if you can fit everything in a backpack. That's the ideal thing. And that's 
Well, we'll get to that because I want to talk about camping accessories because that's like a big oh, okay. draw for me. But so when I would go camping, there it was always a tent. We never had a camper. We never stayed in like a cabin. I don't know what other things you would do camping, RV, whatever it is. And a fire would be started. And then, but for the most part, I think my dad would cook on like the little grills that you see at public parks and public campsites that are just like a stick with a metal grill on top that you have to put like the wood or the charcoal underneath. And then we also had like a propane stove and that would be used for other cooking. But because I was a kid, I wasn't concerned with where my food was coming from because I mm -hmm. just knew the food would happen. Yeah. So I don't remember really. I do remember we would use that pup tent when I brought a friend with me, we would keep our backpacks or whatever in the pup tent, and then we would sleep in the slightly bigger tent, the two-person tent, so that we just had more room. Yeah. Because we would we would bring, and we don't do this today, a blow-up queen-sized mattress that took 4D batteries to blow itself up. So that's the one difference between camping as a kid and camping as an adult is we do not use a mattress but we did when i was little yeah but when you're in a car and you're going you could in theory do that i don't see a i wouldn't mind doing that yeah i think it you would know. help us with our 30 year old backs <laughs> yeah well I, so i don't mind sleeping on a really flat surface i don't have an issue with it the issue is that nature doesn't provide a lot of those yeah. And I've had my best night's sleep in a hammock. Yes. And this is what makes you semi-pro to me, is you have been willing to sleep completely exposed to the elements slash daddy long legs. So, so sort of. the I've slept in a hammock a few times at Garnet Lake, and my, my most unbelievable time, which isn't, it's believable. We went to, it was bright, the first stop when we went to Utah. So when we went to Utah, I didn't buy a tent because I said, screw it, I'm going to bring a hammock. And a, I had this whole kit of like a hammock, a tarp, and a, another tarp to put stuff underneath. And it was like a nice little thing I had planned up. Mm -hmm. I was not there in Utah. No. We was him and his friends. Yes. Um. So... I was able to use that to sleep one night the whole time we were out there because there's not a lot of big trees in Utah in the, in the places desert. we went. <laughs> All the places we went were like the high desert and um, Bryce Canyon and Zion National Park, stuff like that, where we weren't camping in a lot of those places. Mm -hmm. So we did camp, but a lot of the places we camped were like state campgrounds or state parks that had campsites mm -hmm. so they had running water and yeah. bathrooms but i think if you fly somewhere you kind of have to have a little bit of help a little bit because little you bit. can't just bring like you we were out a there a week too. and a half yeah so, so you can't bring a week and a half of water and food on a plane so there's this thing called blm land out there and i don't know what it stands for and we talked to a guy at bryce canyon and he, we were at this spot with, like, so you start up top, and we spiked all the way down, and there was this guy down there, and we were talking to him, and he said, this is BLM land, that it's just, like, public land. You can just drive off the road, because it's just flat, and, or, you know, it could be trail or canyony. there's trails. That's interesting. And we don't really have the equivalent of that here. Not really. In New York. You, not yet. There's some spots where you can just... Where they are just trails and whatnot, but it's not the same sort of thing. No, it's yeah. always like there's a brown and green sign or a thing to sign in. Usually, a booklet. yeah. Like it's usually very obvious and it's not just pull off the road somewhere. Yeah, there's very little of that. But there it's like you drive by it all the time. Okay. You can just really pull off. Well, stay lane. Fuck it. Go on. We didn't do that. We had, camp we had rented sites at campsites. Along the way, and then stay them. Sometimes we stayed in hotels, depending on what we were doing. But I had to rent a, a night in my buddy's tents as we went on to different campsites because I didn't have a place to sleep. <laughs> you had to rent it? Not rent it, but you know. <laughs> he let you. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I never went camping anywhere that didn't have a designated spot. 
and a bathroom and that kind of like conveniences until I met you. I didn't mention why. So the first night, the reason why it was unrealistic that first night in the hammock, because it got down to like somewhere on some phone, I believe, or maybe on the phone in my, I don't know. I, I have to really look for it. I, I haven't seen it in any of the times I've searched for photos and other devices, old devices, but somewhere I believe there is a shot of a weather app, a screenshot of a weather app that has the temperature for Bryce Canyon the night I slept in the hammock. And it got down to like 20 or 30 degrees. It was cold. Really? And yeah, it was it was cold. But I was perfectly fine. Wherever I was covered up, this is what I remember is, I was in my sleeping bag and I had a fleece on and I ended up taking the fleece off and wrapping it around my head. Wow. Because we got there so late at night, I didn't unpack a hat or a or a beanie of any kind. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I remember doing that and actually sleeping a good amount of the night. So much so that DJ and uh, my other friend Jesse got up and they were awake because they didn't sleep as well. Jesse didn't put the rainfly on his tent. Uh-huh. So he was cold because yeah. it didn't trap in any heat. Right. DJ slept in the tr- in the suv truck whatever we had the rental car and they were up before they got to see the sunrise but i was sleeping because i was actually sort of comfortable yeah you had figured it out yeah because just because i had put in the effort to string up a hammock yeah and i'm glad i did it because it was and i'm glad there was enough space between you know said trees that i was able to do that at least once right because you did like want to do it yeah most of the places we were at were like sand dunes, parks, and like that. Where they had just, you know, it's amazing the sand dunes, how big they get and all that. Yeah, but, but not a lot, a lot of, of the, trees. Not a lot of trees. And the other one we were at had a lake right there. And there was like a lot of, you could tell on the road in places where people do mountain bikes. And it was oh. just natural jumps and hills for them to climb up. And little ledges for them to go along. It was like, I was like, oh shit. So if, if you want to do mountain biking, this is a cool place to come. Yeah. And there were tons of people with mountain bikes. That's cool. So we just kind of stumbled at the sand dunes place. It was people with ATVs. Everyone had ATVs. Mm-hmm. So, and we were just like, oh, so this is what you do. Like Jesse kind of understood it a little bit because he grew up with a lot of ATVs. I grew up with one or two, but not in like that kind of setting. Setting. No. So it was just, for me, it was like, oh, so. You know, if you got the cash for it, you buy some ATVs and then like a lot of them had RVs that had like a little garage in the back. Oh, okay. They're called toy haulers. Cool. So they have like a couple places to sleep. Like maybe it has one twin bed somewhere mm-hmm. and like maybe one single bed over the cab. Okay. And then the back is like a wet area where you could park an ATV. That's, I've never heard of that. I didn't yeah. know that was a thing. Well, you guys rented a Jeep. So we rented a Jeep and we rented, Jesse rented a, a fairly fast ATV, like a, a 600cc Rap, Yamaha Raptor, which is, uh, was a fast, it's a fast ATV. Oh, I remember you do have kind of GoPro video. I have some GoPro video somewhere and then there's some ra- random pictures that show up yeah. on the display out there that you'll see. A, we, a side, we use, DJ and I use the side-by-side. Jesse was on the four-wheeler. Just for reference... You can die of exposure between 30 to 50 degrees if there's wind. Okay. And if there's enough wind, the temperature can be 60 or 70 degrees and you can still die of exposure and hypothermia. If there's enough wind. If there's enough wind. So people think like when they picture someone dying of hypothermia, they picture them like in the winter, like in the snow. Yep. But you could be in the desert you could be at just 40 a little, degrees. a little wet. Yeah, little yeah, wet, be 40 degrees in the desert, yeah. and not covered enough to keep warm through the night, and you could die. So, it's pretty serious what we're, like, that's why I say semi-pro, because there is someone who could go to Garnet Lake, their boat could get a hole in it, yep. they could fall out of their kayak on the way, get to the campsite, and not have brought enough material not be good at making a fire, and die. So the first time we went out, we just went to campsites that were directly across from the boat launch. Yes. We were with. Do you mean me or you? You and you, your friends? You and I. Okay, yeah. So we just went to the, like, closest one. So, but we yeah. also had peanut 
So, yes. Um, the first time we went, we had peanut, but we stayed by the road. The second time we went, we we she had a life vest, and we took her across. I took her across. You took her across. So, I went to the campsite on my own in the kayak and had never been there and just mm-hmm. had to, like, you just, like, pointed at a tree of many trees. Yes. And was like, go towards that one tree. Yep. And she got remarkably close and then kind of dived off to the right. And then she just followed the shore and was like, eventually you find it. Yeah, because it's obvious once you see it. Like, there's, it's not clear. Like, it's wild land. Like, it's woods. So, if there's no clearing, you know you're not at a campsite. Yeah. It's very obvious when you see a campsite. So, when we went, that was, it was pretty windy. And then the second day, it was even windier coming back. Mm-hmm. So you say it's dangerous. There, That was probably, you know, the most dangerous of conditions I've ever been in at Garnet Lake in a kayak that's really not that big. And there was an, it was a, a shaky enough, but I, that's kind of the limit, I yeah. would say, for our kayaks. And we were fine. Be, and we were, we were all we right. We had to go slow on the way back. And mm-hmm. we did have to take, like three kayaks worth of trips so we one of us i went across with pina or no maybe i didn't have her when i first went across i went by myself you stayed with peanut on the other side i just brought some items i brought as much as it could hold yeah and then i came back and you and i went together that way i had less in the kayak and i could take peanut safely across yeah and then you had the majority of the wood and stuff stuff, the rest so then on the, the next day when we left, because we were only there one night, you went across alone and I took down the tent while you were, I have a whole vlog of this. Yeah. I have, you went across and I took down the tent and Peanut was so tired, she fell asleep on the crumpled up tent while I was waiting for you to come back. Yeah. And then we left together and it was very windy and shaky. Yeah. But it was ended up being fine. Yeah, but imagine, like, so the thought is, like, oh, you slip up out, you know, a little bit out camping or out paddling a kayak in those kind of conditions. If you don't have your life vest on, you know, you're in, like, it's maybe only 10 feet deep there, but you can drown in 10 feet of water. Like, you can, you know, it's right. not, it's easy. It's right. Not, and it's the temperature of the water is cold. cold. Yeah. This was October yeah. in upstate New York. Yeah. So if you hit that water... If you've ever jumped into cold water, the first thing that happens is you lose your breath. Yeah. You, it's like the wind gets knocked out of you. Or at least that's what happens to me. I remember I did the warrior dash and part of that was like wading through water and I'm only 4'11". So it was like above, it was like almost to my shoulders. I felt like I couldn't breathe, like just walking through water. Like that's how bad it was. So imagine... You have fallen out of a boat, so it's a surprise. It's not a planned thing that you hyped yourself up for like I did at the Warrior Dash. You've fallen out, and now you can't touch the bottom. You feel like you can't breathe, and you're trying to get back into the kayak, and that's not easy to do even on a good day because we had a friend yeah, good luck. You're fall probably out. Yeah. We went kayaking. Or did she jump out to pee? Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Um, so one of our friends jumped out of her kayak. We went on like this, it was a sunny summer day. We're kayaking just on this river. She jumped out of the kayak to pee in the water and could not get back in the kayak. She did get back in though. I forget We how. had to hold the kayak That's right. steady for her to get in. It's difficult. It's not It's not an easy thing getting back in anything. No. I, I, mean, I would not imagine even a paddleboard would be That would be the easiest because it's flat and it doesn't... Tip, um, tip easy, on yeah. you, but the kayak tips towards you as you're trying to get in. Yeah. So we had to hold it down so she could get in. And that was in warm water, sunny. She wasn't panicking because it was her choice to get out of the kayak. Yeah. But imagine someone who did not choose to get out of the kayak. They're panicking. It's cold and they don't have a life vest. Good luck. And you're on your own. Yeah. So that was like kind of my thought was like, oh man, I hope someone's in those houses watching. Because you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, people don't live there full time. No, they not, don't. Not all that place is there. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, I always kind of think of that is like, you know, and I remember it being easier as a kid or, at, you know, being younger. I remember just being like never uh, that kind of a situation occurring. And maybe we 
the canoes we were in were more stable. Probably. But you also, as a younger person, do not think through what could happen. True. That's also true. I I think we don't think about the dangerous situations. Because there's stuff that I did when I was younger that I look back on and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I'm lucky I'm okay. Yeah. You know? When I was in the Philippines and we were, we went on this giant zip line over this huge valley in the jungle, I was all for it. And my friend that I was visiting in the Philippines that was living there was so scared. And I was like, it's fine, it's fine. And then when we got there, I was going to go first and then she was going to go. But she wanted me to record her a video of her going and then she was going to record the video of me arriving on the other side. So she decided to go first. The amount of time it took for them to strap her in and her to go and it to be safe for me to then go, I all that was going through my head is, oh my god, we're so high up. If I fall, no one will find me because this is not, this is, I don't want to say third world country, but like they don't have the infrastructure. And we were on a little tiny island in the Philippines that I don't know if they have helicopters. I don't know where the nearest hospital is. Like the five minutes or so that I spent standing on that platform waiting to go down this zip line, everything that could go wrong went through my head. But if I had gone first, I wouldn't have even thought about it and I would have not been scared. Yeah. But because I had those five minutes to like look at what I was doing and think about it, I was terrified. I did it. Because what am I going to do? You can't really turn back at that point. Yeah. But then I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Like that was probably not a smart decision. Just because it turned out fine, it was okay, but it might have been really bad. Could have been, yeah. I definitely would have broken bones. You were that high up or you just think you would have Oh, I was that splat. high up. Oh, I don't know. I probably could have died. Were you over water or trees? Trees. Oh, you'd be dead. I'd be dead. If I didn't die, I'd have broken bones and I'd be eaten by a million bugs and snakes and whatever's down there. Yeah. I'd be killed by something before anyone ever found me. Best case scenario, I'd die on impact. <laughs> yeah. There's a big difference. It doesn't sound like a big difference to go from a state-owned campsite to something like Garnet Lake. But when you really think about the situation and what can go wrong, it can make a big difference. And you do have to be careful and always tell somebody where you are. I mean, up in the high, we have the high peaks in New York. There's 46 of them. 46? Yeah. People hike them and it's this big thing to become a 46er. And people have like bumper stickers about it. It's like a big bucket list thing for a lot of people around here and it's really impressive for the people who do it because it is like a years-long commitment if you can't go every weekend in the summer or something there's people who set out to hike these high peaks and like they end up on the news because they're lost and for days because they can't find their way back because they lose the trail and like the trail i've done one high peak rocky peak ridge with two very experienced people I will say, if I didn't have them, I wouldn't have known where I was going at all. But they are used to looking for the signs. Sometimes these trails are literally marked by cairns. Those, like, stacks of stones. Yep. There's no signs. It's literally a stack of stones. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I could get out to that pond behind the lake. The pond behind the lake? Oh, Lixard. Lixard Pond, Lizard Pond. Uh... I think I could do that because I've done it like a handful of times now. I was going to say, haven't you? It's been a few years. So it'd be, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I know it's, you know, head south west in this, you know, or, you know, I think it's south northwest from that spot. There's a clear clear trail head Mm -hmm. up. There's always a clear trail head. Yeah. So, you know, I think I could do it. But I remember there were parts where... Like, the path was the width of your foot, right? And you're just, like, walking between trees, like, next to a riverbed for... And you're like, oh, like, I would never... Like, I could... You can kind of see, but it, it would... I feel like I'd have to stop a lot and be like... Reevaluate. Eh, eh, okay. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't feel confident going out by myself or leading anybody else. Yeah. So I would... I pretty much only go, like, 
when my buddies are in town and I know, like, like I trust AJ. Yeah, well, he's done it in the dark. I think DJ's smarter than me, and AJ's more definitely smarter than me when it comes to (laughs) being a camper woodsy. Like you said, he's, like, somewhat, he's above whatever I am. Yeah. So, like... If he can navigate a mile-long path in the dark and then also kayak back to a car in the dark as part of that process, or canoe... That's a pro. The most hiking I've done in one day was with AJ, and that was probably like six or seven miles. But it was back and forth. we went, if you count the canoeing, we went, you know, the length of Garnet Lake, which is, you know, whatever, let's say 0.8. I think it's bigger than that, but let's say like 0.8. So that's like almost a mile. We did that three times, so that's about three miles. And then you add in the 0.9 mile hike, and we did that about three times. And then back out the next day and then at one point we drop something really we get a, another quarter of the way there and then aj realizes he's we've dropped something and he's like his water bottle or something important yeah so he's like let's just keep going i'll run back for him we get to the camp this is while we are you know so the reason why we did so many trips we went to see if there was anybody out there using this lean-to that's made out there there was no one there, so we went and we got our gear, and then we brought that. Then we came back and we got the beer, which we then <laughs> carried because the cardboard of the packaging was breaking. Uh-huh. We then we put it in a tarp, or on a tarp, and we strewn that tarp through two tree branches to make like a stretcher, and then we carried <laughs> it through the woods. So that's your three trips, and then out the next day. Uh, I think we made a fourth trip later that night. To pick up a friend of ours at the boat launch. Oh my god. Yeah, see that's to me because And I don't trust myself to do that. This is the woods. There is no light. I think that's a concept that a lot of people don't think about. Mm -hmm. Is there is no light. It's completely dark all the time. It's pitch black. And it gets dark earlier than you'd expect. Yeah, especially when you're busy trying to cook your own dinner on a fire. All of a sudden it's black. And then if you don't have a fire which would be most of the time the light source that you have going throughout the night until you go to sleep and you don't bring enough batteries for your flashlight or you break your flashlight, like you're done. You don't, you can't even see. So you get the moonlight or nothing, essentially. Yeah. Could be cloudy though. True. So you mentioned two of the essentials when you go camping, gear and beer. Uh Uh-huh. So I would like to talk about camping gear because this is where I kind of get like excited and I by no means have like any special camping gear, but I well, was, well, okay, your gear is my gear, <laughs> yes. But I, before I met you, the only thing I really had that was cool, two things: my raincoat that folds into a pouch, and my backpack that folds into a pouch. Mm-hmm. And that isn't really that exciting. Not anymore, because you're especially it's no when longer you're camping, uh, uh, a party trick. No, it's not like an impressive, innovative item. But About five or six years ago. It would have been. It was like the new thing. It was right after I had done that Rocky Peak Ridge, the big high peak. I had borrowed a backpack to use that day. And it was like a giant backpack that was measured in liters. Like, you know you're talking about a camping, outdoorsy backpack when they mention liters. Yes. And I had used a friend's backpack to have enough to go on this trip, but it was still a giant backpack and more than I needed for this hike. At the time, I thought, well, I want to go with them a few more times or, like, maybe with other friends. So I went out and got this, like, day pack, quote-unquote, that, like, folded into a pouch. Once you're using the backpack, it doesn't matter that it folds into a pouch because you can't fold it back up when there's stuff in it. So it's literally... The function of it folding into a pouch is for storage, but it's good if you were someone who went on these big hikes when you went on vacation and you flew places, now you have this backpack that folds into a pouch, which is nice. Yeah, so that was something I, that's something that I realized that when we were in Utah, we went on a few hikes and I had to hold a water bottle and that annoyed me. Oh, never. Because I'm very used to like finding a walking stick. I've always enjoyed doing that. And I've never used a real trekking pole. A trekking pole. Um, which comes in different flavors as far as like being expandable. Some of them fold up. Telescoping. Other ones, telescoping, exactly. 
These are the words I like when it comes to camping gear. I do have an old golf club stick with a bunch of electrical tape wrapped around the tip of it. Oh, yeah. Um, But I always seem to forget I have it when we go camping. It's not, we don't go on like a ton of like rocky hikes for it to matter. No. It's not a huge deal that it just sits out there with all the other golf clubs and I forget that it exists. But um, that is something that's, I think, cool. I think it's cool to find your own stick. Yeah. Yeah. Cool to find a stick. Because it's tough. Some of them break. I want to talk about cool state-of-the-art camping gear and you're talking about a stick. (laughs) Like, we're not on the same page with what is cool camping gear. A stick. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like my, my gear as far as, like... I don't know, little, like, survival. I have, like, a fair amount of, like, stupid survival things. But most of it, yeah, I don't think you really need. That's the thing, too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it has to do with being as light as possible and being, like, safe, uh, space-saving. Yeah. So things that collapse. Packability. Packability. Things that collapse into themselves. Or, like, the backpack, how it, like, turns into a pouch you know, cups and bowls that, like, squish flat. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I get excited about. And, like, when we go to EMS for you to pick up a shirt, like, I always like to look at the little doodads that are overpriced that, like, it's a cup, but it, like, goes flat. Yeah. And it's, like, it's still, like, so flimsy. Like, I have one that I got for free from David's Tea that I always bring camping because it, like, goes from being maybe an inch tall to being like a full 16 ounce cup and it has a carabiner attached it's the worst cup to yeah, put boiling fold. hot water in. yeah, yeah it doesn't so fold flimsy. well it's too thin too thin it's not a good product i bring it every time because i'm just excited that i have this cup that like folds flat but that's like what you said you don't need it no not really i mean there's always like obviously a way to do it like, I mean, we've cooked or uh, made plenty of coffee without coffee filters and, you know. Yeah. Like, there's like, like, they call cool it, I forget things. they call it ranger coffee where you just put the grounds in the in the water. I haven't had that. So that's like the full outdoorsy coffee is like, I've got coffee grounds, but I don't have anything. What can I do with them? You just boil the water. And just put it in there. And just put it in there. And then you pour it in your coffee cup and you drink it. And you just, you know, try yeah. not to let in the... But now we have the cool... Again, these fold relatively flat. It's like a coffee filter type. It's like a, um, almost like a triangle so that's without a, good, a point. Yeah. That you put a coffee filter in. And then I bought Mike for Christmas some reusable coffee filter or just one. So yeah, I have a collapsible silicone pour drip over coffee. Drip coffee yeah, yeah. Pour over. I would call it a pour over. Yeah, so it's basically like a thick, and, and this would be an example of a good silicone camping thing, as opposed yeah. to your David's Tea thing, because this is like a thicker silicone base with two holes in it, and out of the top, and then think of it like two silicone like circles, kind of melded in the center, mm-hmm. and the top part is a collapsible cup, and the bottom part is like a sturdy base that's wider than most coffee cups. Mm-hmm. So you know. It looks like probably most drip coffee. I don't know. There's probably a thousand of these things. I've just never seen them. Well, the shape is almost always the same for the drip coffee things because it's meant to like hold the filter and then come to a point to drip into a... Yeah. It's like this oval cup. And then we have a, a, a reasonable mesh coffee filter that you can just fill with water fill with grounds and pour the water in and it works really well Mm -hmm. and then you'd have less trash because the other thing about going camping where we camp is there's no garbage can so you have to bring your own garbage bag and take out your garbage everything you take with you comes out so it's not like you know sometimes you might overfill your cooler because you know as you go you're gonna throw away things but we can't do that when we go camping everything that goes across the one day comes back the second day yeah so you have to keep that in mind too. So that's why I might as well bring reusable stuff anyway because less waste and then we have to bring it back with us anyway. So Yeah. And even things like at the campsites we were at using the the correct procedure for using that soap. We have this like special outdoorsy soap. Yeah, that doesn't harm so, the water. Or yeah, it's much it has less toxic or whatever cleaning ingredients in it or whatever. But it it does have instructions. You're supposed to dig like a, a like a four inch to six inch hole 
And when you, you're supposed to like keep all this water you contaminate with the soap in like a, a washing basin. Like they want you to have like a big container of some kind. Or like you take your biggest bowl and you use it to wash your the rest of your stuff because they because basically they don't they, they recommend you don't st- you still don't mix this water in with your local waterways. Oh, I didn't know. So that. they at the end they are like pour it in a small hole and then cover it back up. I never knew that. Yeah. So it's it, it, even even that one's like not all soap is perfect. And I guess like you can't fault people for not realizing these things because even when you try to be good like we do with the soap, we still used it wrong. So. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I took a, uh, one of those out to Utah and was like, well, it's got to be still better than what all these other people are using if they don't have this, right? Like, yeah. And, so, you, you know, we we look at other people when we go to regular campgrounds like we went about a month ago at this point to a regular campground and we do, I get a kick out of if there's someone with a really nice tent mm-hmm. next to us. This specifically happened last time. There was a couple our age and they had a super nice REI tent. That was probably what, two or three hundred At least, probably dollars, if yeah. not more. But in the time that it took me to put our tent up, and then I get and then move it because we didn't like where it was because there was this big root that I didn't notice. They still had not even gotten theirs. I mean, it yeah. took them like three times as long to put up this really super fancy tent. And we had our like relatively cheap older tent yeah. by myself. I did it by myself. And then it was taking two of them three times as long to put up this super nice tent. And Mike had already started a fire and we were cooking. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind I get a kick out of when I see people who clearly have like the means to have this like really nice quality stuff and then like don't even know how to use it. Well, that's the thing is like, so we saw the lot as far as I was a little bewildered, like people not using their campfire to cook. Like they went out and bought like the, the people that were selling the firewood. Mm-hmm. Like that's dry seasoned firewood. You can easily cook with that. There's nothing wrong. Obviously the people get weird about the, the char and the smoke on your food. That's like a thing. Like I don't. I say when we burn like the crap wood we have in our backyard that we have to get rid of. That we don't eat off no. of. We don't cook off of that for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Like there's things in the wood. It might be processed or if yeah, it's like, like an old shelf, like an old shelf or a pl- piece of plywood. Like there's glue and all that. Mm-hmm. So when they sell you can't these, make a s'more. so like we buy firewood so that we can easily cook cook off the fire. Mm-hmm. And these people buy stacks of firewood and they just burn it. Yeah. And like then they bring a grill. Yeah, and then they bring a grill and they like cook a their food off of that. Grill. So it's like they're cooking at home. So yeah. that, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I get it. Like, if you... I could understand a little bit more if, like, you had a bunch of kids that you had to feed and you don't want to cook, like, eight burgers on a fire where you have these kids that are... But if it's just us, like, there's no reason we can't make all our food on the fire. And we do. And then we specifically bring food that cooks well on a fire. So we do the typical like hot dog hamburger, but then we also like, I like to bring a ramen of some kind so that I can just boil water. Mike likes to buy these freeze dried or whatever they are, sausage and gravy um, with biscuits things. They have them just at Walmart and he even will make them at home sometimes because they're really good. But all you need for that is boiled water. Another camping tip, if you're sick of eating the same things, bring couscous. Because all you need for couscous is to boil water and then you pour the boiling water into the couscous and then you don't even need to keep it over the heat and it will cook. So that's something different that besides the typical hot dog hamburger, like that's something you can make. And then usually when we bring peanut, we bring chicken for her and we cook her some chicken to eat. Gear wise, you have the best s'mores stick, marshmallow stick I've ever seen. It's basically just a tube And then you open the tube and one end has the poker part, like the prongs, and then it sticks into the other side and it becomes this long s'more stick that when you pack it in your backpack doesn't poke anything because it's enclosed. And I have searched the entire internet for one for myself and I cannot find one. And Mike got it as a Christmas gift the very first Christmas we were together. So obviously like they wouldn't have gotten one for me also. And I'm so annoyed about it. The other thing that Mike has that you literally cannot find is this chair that is flat and it's maybe like 15 inches by 18 inches. 
and it's just like looks like a little briefcase but then when you open it it has like all these poles that fit together to become a frame for a chair and then it just has a piece of like um, waterproof vinyl-ish fabric that you stick on like the four corners of the chair and it just becomes this very nice rocking chair it rocks right Yes, it's a rocking chair. So it's a rock. And on top of that, it's a rocking chair. And it's the best chair. And you cannot find it. I have searched I'm pretty sure that company doesn't exist anymore. Probably. Uh, I bought that on the plane using plane internet (laughs) on the way to Utah from wherever we were, North Carolina or whatever. On the second flight out to Utah, I was using the plane internet that I paid like $2.99 for. Mm -hmm. And bought that on rei's website so the company doesn't exist but rei still exists. i i bought it and picked it up that day oh you did like, REI. That? like okay. I, I bought it and pick up in store or whatever right the closest thing you found to that chair was the chairs we have now yeah that type of chair has been out a little while dj's had one of those for a couple of years okay it's but like eight it's inches close to long. as comfortable as that rocking chair right it's just a little lower to the ground because they yes, are smaller and overall. Rock. And it doesn't rock. But they fold up small enough. They're maybe like 8 inches long and like 5 inches wide. Maybe 4 inches wide. And have a little strap on them. You could put them in a backpack. You could put them in a carry-on. I, w- I would willingly take them in a carry-on on a plane. And have a chair for the beach. Because that's the thing I always think about is. If I'm flying somewhere and I want to sit on a beach or on a lawn what's the smallest thing i can bring that's still comfortable because of course they have those like packable blankets like a picnic blanket but if you actually want a chair that you can sit upright in this is the smallest thing that i think we've ever seen or i've ever seen and now we have we each have one so those are nice those are really easy to bring in a kayak or anything really backpack whatever you whatever you need to fit it in so my thing now I do like going camping and staying overnight somewhere, but what I want to do more is like a day trip and have a picnic and just bring enough for, you know, that one meal and to hang out for a little while. I like that idea that we, we did it once. We went camping at a regular state campground and then the day we had to check out, because like you don't check out from like Garnet Lake because there's no one there. You don't pay either. That's a plus. Not that it's expensive. What is it like $22 to stay at a regular campsite? But at Garnet Lake, it's free. So you don't have to check in. You don't have to check out. You don't have to be in or out for by a certain time. It's literally just first come first serve. So if you get there first, that's your campsite and you don't have to tell anyone you're there. I think we do sign in in the book like at the front. So if something happened to us, like someone could trace it back to like, when did we get there and where are we staying and what are we doing? But if someone chooses not to do that, there's no enforcement of it. So yeah, you don't pay anything and you just go. So that we stayed at the regular campground. And then the day we had to check out, we drove to Garnet Lake and we just took the kayaks and we went to a, a random campsite and cooked lunch. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have I think you brought wood, but we didn't need to use it because somebody had camped there previously and stacked up the wood they didn't need for the next person. So we just used that. And it was very nice. And I would like to do that, you know, whenever. I would do that all the time. Yeah, I don't see it. You don't see the chair? Or the... What were you looking up? I have a strong displeasure with Pinterest because... they just It's pictures of stuff you can't buy. Don't get me started on Pinterest these days. I'm very anti-pinterest these days you found it but you can't it's when you pinterest, click on like, it what happens does it go to campingblogger.net the that site has probably been abandoned for 10 years the algorithm on pinterest is so messed up that by the time something goes to the top of a search it's completely irrelevant and not trendy anymore and i think that's why pinterest is like not and don't like i said don't get me started Pinterest is not what it used to be. But this is the camping episode, not the Pinterest episode. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite item that you have specifically for camping? I mean, I take pride in my knife just because I've, like, got it done up with stuff and, like, it didn't start like that. Like, it wasn't a, an item that 
When he means came. he's got it done up with stuff, he has paracord wrapped very nicely and neatly around the handle. Yeah, there's also like a flint striker. A flint striker. And like, so there's like a way to, you know, I'd like to put, my the idea is putting um, some like fishing line and stuff underneath the rubber parts. Oh, what do you mean by the rubber parts? So, you know, the rubber bands I have. Oh, yeah. Underneath the paracord is pieces of a bike tube. Yes. They stretch around the sheath of the knife's, uh, or the knife's sheath. It's like a firm, you know, the reason for having those is because if you're in like a survival situation, so to speak, and you can get one of those on fire or lit, it will catch on fire and it will burn long enough for you to like, if you've prepared, to get a fire going. Like they are, they burn... They're bad for the environment. They burn like black smoke. Mm-hmm. But it is something that when you get it going is a fire starter and can provide you with a good flame to you know, get a fire going. Like if it's life or death. If like it's life or death. You shouldn't do yeah. this every time you yeah, want Yeah, I don't fire. go out in the woods and burn bike tube tires whenever I want. In fact, I've never burnt one. Right. It's just in a dire I've just seen emergency. it done. And I'm like, oh, that's what a great idea. So that's why they're called ranger bands is what they call them. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the, you're right. That's very, like, multifunctional, which yeah, is another word I like. Yeah, so it, because they sit so tightly on the sheath, you can slide things underneath them, mm-hmm. and it'll keep it there. Could you slide a match? You could probably put some waterproof matches but or something But you don't need it because you have the flint striker. Getting a flint striker to get one of those ranger bands to go would be difficult. What you'd want to do is, like, get a little bit of tinder lit. And use that to get the ranger band going, probably. Again, never tried it. Yeah. So. But in it, theory. That is also a big motto that's like with the camping survivalist people. It's like you have to go out and practice because if you just expect it to work the first time, like it's there. I know it's there, but I've never tried. So am I going to be able to do it in a survival situation? No, probably not. Right. Because you don't know. Like I think in a sur- real survival situation, you're stressed you're worried, you might be scared, you might be incapacitated in some way, like you might have an injury. Yeah, yeah. Like I've used a flint striker to start a fire, but I had tinder sitting in a paper towel, Mm -hmm. you know, and threw some sparks on it and got it to the light. Who would have thought, you know, that's the easy part. Doing it with like tinder you gathered from the woods is a whole different story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those smart sticks are... I've searched the whole internet. You're not going to find it. Like, I'm, I've just searched, like, s'more sticks, tube metal, s'more sticks, aluminum tube, things like that. I wouldn't know what else to call it. Roasting stick, maybe? I, I, I don't know. It seems like something that you'd want to have all the time. I, I even found an article that was, like, best best marshmallow roasting sticks of 2021. And that wasn't and on it. And it wasn't on that list. Well, then it's not a good list because that is the best one. If you can't there is cover one, the spikes. There was one being sold at REI called the Rolla Roaster Marshmallow and Hot Dog Roasting Fork. And it is extendable and it looks to be better than your average. The one I have now is extendable. I literally just got it at Target. But it doesn't fit in a, in my backpack. It has to be on the outside of the backpack. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly now. I mean... I forgot who got me that and where they... It was your aunt. My aunt. So we maybe we'll, we can ask her. <laughs> we can ask her, but it doesn't matter because I've looked high and low and far and wide for the chair and the s'more stick. Yeah. But I've bought you... I try to get Mike's camping things for Christmas or his birthday, but it's hard because he already has so much. I've pretty much have the full kit, if you will. Yeah. I think we need an updated mess kit. I've been talking about that. I do you think You just we need your need... own... Probably. Set, I probably Because then we own. have two of everything. Yeah. Because that's what end up, ends up happening is everyone just brings their own and you just serve them in their own dish. Yeah, I think that's And someone commits to the using their own frying pan and someone else uses their own tea kettle, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I got Mike a little tea kettle so mm-hmm. that when we boil water, it doesn't get ash in it because we would just use a pan. But this little tea kettle is nice because it has a big loop on the top of the lid to stick a stick in. It knows what it's like when you're camping. And then I got him a little kind of like a grill grate. What would you call that? Yeah. A uh, grate. Uh, yeah, a grate with legs on it. A grate with legs that like fold under so it goes relatively grill. flat. A freestanding grill. So if you had a small fire, you could put this grill on top and cook on it. And it has a little carrying case. And I got you a magnetic... LED 
lantern. Power bank. Power bank. So you can charge yeah. stuff and it's a light and it hangs or it's magnetic from stuff. Yeah. I think it's it has magnetic. a hook. I don't, it does have a hook. It has a hook that like folds up. It has a wire, like a, a strong metal wire hook. Yes. So you could hang it from something or you could magnet it to something. Yeah. So it's also good like if you work on cars. Yeah. So that's cool because you can also charge something with it. And then Mike has various solar powered lights. Uh, um, yeah. One yeah. is a one is like an inflatable balloon situation that you set it out all day and it absorbs the sun and then it you blow it up and it's like a light. But it's weird how once you blow up this little balloon, how bright this thing is. Like it lights up the whole tent. Yeah, it just provides like it kind of works like a light bulb. Like diffuses a relatively small light source into this orb of light and it just kind of provides a even amount of light yeah. to a small area. If you use it outside it's not really as effective but in a tent or something it's a lot. Yeah and it's nice just if you like obviously we have headlamps and stuff which I used to be so like anti-headlamp I thought it was so dorky but now I realize you want your hands free so yeah. I'm all about the headlamps now but I can't think of any other like cool gear that we have. I think we could have better sleep pads, but those yes. are kind of hard. You, They're hard to buy online because you want to sleep on it. Like, you want to lay on it and try it. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I could buy a cheap one and you just see how it feels, I guess. But I've had good sleeps on the foam ones. So if there was a way to, like, I wonder if there's a better foam roller. Like, one that maybe folds up or has hinges or, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something better out there than the one I've got, which is fairly basic. We have one inflatable one, but it does not hold its air right. At least. Oh, yeah. And then you have an inflatable pillow. And my pillow is just an REI pillow that rolls up to be about a third of the size. But then when you open it, it's pretty much a full-size pillow. And it has this special filling that if you unroll it when you get to your campsite, by the night, it's like inflated not inflated they're supposed like to self-inflate they don't really you, everyone just blows in the valve yours mine isn't inflated no, it's yours like does. the special my pillow foam. yeah my pillow and that sleeping mat we have both have that self-inflating oh, it's like, quote-unquote self-inflate it doesn't really though no and then of course when we go camping with peanut she has her own set of accessories she has a collapsible dog bowl two of them one for water one for food she has her life vest which is blue and orange. It's very nice. It goes with the kayak. She looks very cute in it. And she can't really walk in it. They tell you not to like, you're not ever supposed to put a dog in one of these life vests and then like walk them somewhere. You're supposed to put the life vest on like when you get to the boat. So they're not supposed to be able to really walk in them. But that works in our favor because it weirdly calms her and she just like chills out immediately yeah it doesn't yeah she doesn't want to move in it no so she just sits in the boat she doesn't try to get out she doesn't walk around she doesn't try to sniff she literally just sits down or lays down yeah so she has her life vest and then i always bring her um bed and her blanket which i have a waterproof how many liter three or two or three liter um waterproof bag that I bought specifically when we took her across the water and I shove her dog bed in it and her blanket and I squit, you know, roll it up and clip it. And that's what she sleeps on. But then she doesn't sleep on it. No, she sleeps, she on, the sleeps on the floor of the tent. And I think she's, you know, there's something wrong because I bring all these things for comfort for her and then she doesn't want them. Yeah. Well, and she's then roughing it. She's yeah, she's in it. R-U-F-F-I-N apostrophe it. And then we also have this spiral stake that goes into the ground. Which never really matters because she doesn't wander off really. (laughs) No, she doesn't. But there are times like specifically when we arrive and we're getting things set up. Yeah, we we kind of stake her out of the way. Yeah, because we're both like occupied. So if she did want to wander off, it's almost impossible to find her like... That's my biggest dark, fear sure. when we're camping is we won't find her. So that's why I got a leash that lights up, but it's not bright at all. So Well, it has to be charged fully. I don't think we've ever really fully charged yeah, it. Yeah, that might be the problem. It like has a stripe on one side of a very flat um, strap. And if she were to... And my idea was, oh, well, if she like walks off, we'll see the leash like lit up. But when she does she shimmies out of her harness. 
So there's nothing attached to her. And yeah. she's basically black. Yeah. So we would never find her in the dark. And that's the only thing. I really like bringing Peanut. It's fun to have her. It is an added level of stress and responsibility, though. So you'd never fully relax. Yeah. And that's why we tend not to go more than one night with her. Because it is a lot. Yeah, I would say that's all of her camping gear that we specifically need when she goes. Yeah. And then, of course, we bring chicken. But that is pretty much the camping episode. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. It is my scale that I invented, so I can put enthusiast above amateur if I want. Yeah, Because that's what I want to be. So in my scale, it goes from Meredith from the Parent Trap to amateur to enthusiast, me, to semi-pro pro ultra pro so i i'm an enthusiast i'm pretty low (laughs) yeah but i'm getting there and i think someday but here's the thing it doesn't serve me to be a semi-pro because there's net i don't see myself in a situation where i would go camping like that without you true who would i go with there's no one that would want to go with me in that kind of situation where you're like going to the bathroom in the woods yeah and there's no what running water or garbage or light Like, I don't know anyone who would want to do that besides you in my life. So there's no point. I can stay at the enthusiast level because I'm always going to go with a semi-pro. Probably. And of course, my axe is your axe. Uh Uh-huh. And my magnets are your magnets. Mm-hmm. I, I have things that I offer yep. to the relationship. Just, just not for not, camping. Not, not for camping. Yeah. Except for putting up the tent. And I'm, can we, can you acknowledge how efficient I've been with packing? You've been pretty good with packing. Especially the day we had to go across the water. Yeah. Because space is an issue. Weight is an issue. Yeah. I'm very efficient with packing and I think about everything. The only thing I forgot last time was cheese. But when you, you want a coffee... I've got sugar, I've got creamer, mm-hmm. I've got everything. Oh, you want a hot dog? I've got pickles, I've got ketchup, I have everything. Like, I think through all the food we're bringing, and I think of every, like, garnish or condiment or, like, thing that goes with it, and I pack it efficiently. So, I want props for that. You do that well. Thank you. So, look forward to later in the summer, Mike has agreed to do a podcast from a campsite. And we will be coming to you live, recorded, from <laughs> Garnet Lake later this year. Oh, was it from Garnet Lake? I thought we were going to do it in the backyard. No, we're going to Garnet Lake and we're going to do it. Oh, okay. Why would we go in the backyard? Because we talked about doing it in the backyard. No, I talked about doing it at Garnet Lake. Oh. Thank you for listening. I'm Tara. And I'm Mike. And this has been Pizza, Pizza Burger. Burger.